0: Amen. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for your warm words of welcome, and uh, the many greetings I've received at the door already. It is a pleasure and an honour, as well as a responsibility, to handle God's word here this morning. But it's lovely to a new fellowship here in St. Field. friends. I would ask you to turn to the Book of Genesis, the first book in our Bible, the Book of Genesis, and Chapter Thirty Nine. Uh, Or sorry, chapter 37. We'll be referring to chapter 39 by... We'll we'll go to chapter 39. We'll start there, okay? And uh, we'll work our way through this. Chapter 39, verse 1. The word of the Lord says, And uh, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar... The officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian brought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was prosperous, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And the master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. Just finishing there at verse 4. Then I did say chapter 37, just, just back uh, a couple of chapters there. We're looking here at Joseph. Uh, I think you'll be picking that up. And chapter 37 and verse 1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhad, with the sons of Zilpha, and his father's wives. And Joseph brought on to his father their evil report. Now Israel, not Jacob, loved Joseph more <coughs> than all of the children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we are binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose. And also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obstinance unto my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him, yet the more for his dreams and his words. We end our reading there at verse 8. Friends, this morning I'm going to look at a topic, uh, a little Bible study in uh, the life of Joseph. And there's uh, two aspects you can often look at when you study Joseph. And for those who, who love Bible studies there, you can look at the houses of Joseph. There, we, we read there that of his father, there he was in his father's house in chapter 41. There's, there's a mention in verse 50 of his father's house that he had come out of. And there he was, a beloved son. Of course, there's pictures there of the Lord Jesus and his words to us. as is found in uh, the book of John, John's Gospel, and the chapter 14. In my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so I would have told you, I go there to prepare a place for you. And we remember how the father loved the son there upon uh, at the time of his baptism with John the Baptist by the River Jordan, and also there upon the Mount of Transfiguration where God from heaven spoke to those gathered and said, this is my beloved son there in whom I'm well pleased. So there's that picture. There's a picture then uh, also in Potiphar's house, we read of that. He wasn't the son there, of course. He was the servant. And if he was the favored son in one place, well, we find he was a faithful servant there. And all that he done, God prospered. We will be looking at that by and by. Uh, And literally, Potiphar gave the rule of the house over into his hands. God prospered him in many, many respects. And there he was a a faithful servant. Of course, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus tells us that he did not come there in the sense uh, to, to serve in that sense. There he was a slave. You read that in Philippians chapter 2 when it talks about the servanthood of our Lord Jesus Christ and how he come to give his life a ransom for all. And in that sense, the Lord Jesus was faithful unto that calling as a servant as he ministered unto the need, specifically that need of salvation. Then finally there you could find uh, the Pharaoh's house towards the end, really, from chapter 1 through to 50, you find there, there, 41 through to chapter 50, you find there he's in the Pharaoh's house. There he's no longer a son, no longer a servant, but a sovereign. Uh, and how there, all that was given to him, he had the wisdom of the Lord to administer it. But I'm going to speak on a subject, not the houses, that's a sermon on its own, but his coats. Because that's particularly what the focus is here in chapter 37. And you'll find again a reference to these coats or these garments or these vestures that you will find that he is wearing. Now I have to declare to you, I am not a specialist in fashion. I can remember on one occasion when I was in Brazil, remember we used to be missionaries in Brazil, and we go back periodically to Brazil Mind you, my last, our last visit was to Peru with Baptist Missions uh, this summer past. But I remember on one occasion being there for the Olympics, and yes, I did see one or two events, but we were there for evangelism, street evangelism of local Baptist churches there in that great city of Rio. And uh, I remember that Brazilian TV was doing interviews, spot interviews on the road near Capacabana Beach, and again, I wasn't down for the beach there, I was down there handing out gospel literature, and specifically, they were looking for foreigners, and for whatever reason, they come over to me, and well, I could speak Portuguese, and I thought, well, I'll give this a go, I might be able to slip the gospel in, and there I was thinking this interviewer, she was a lady, there would ask something about the sport, uh, something about what I thought of Rio, etc., there, and I would be able to bring a bit of the gospel in, and here she puts the mic up to me, and this is going out live, and she asks me, What do you think of the fashion and the style that there is in Rio? And I said, I says, dear, there are twenty million inhabitants in Rio, and that must be increased by another three or four hundred thousand spectators. And of all of them you pick me to ask about fashion. I says, You couldn't have picked anyone worse. I says, I'm colour blind. <laughs> but uh, we're here this morning to speak about the coats of Joseph because there's great spiritual lessons that we can learn through this. And going back there to that text in chapter 37, we we read the following in verse three. Now Israel, that's Jacob, that was Joseph's father, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. You know, whenever you think about garments, etc., we often think about their saleable value. But there was nothing to do with the saleable value here. We don't even know what material this coat uh, was or this garment was made out of. But what we do know, there was a spiritual value to it there. And Joseph, in uh, his youth, received this as a gift from his father. Friends, it does remind us there that he was the favored son. There's no doubt about that. And, of course, that did create a problem within the family. But I want to think firstly about this colored coat. We only can surmise. I wonder what colors were interwoven into it. But I I do believe that there must be some significance by the fact that it is mentioned there that it was a coat of many colors. I wonder, was crimson woven into it? We know that crimson red would be shed upon it whenever Joseph would be thrown into the pit and his brothers would slay a goat and cover the coat in the blood of the goat to deceive their father, thinking that Joseph was slain rather than in slavery. Friends, I would like to think that one of those colors was crimson. And why, if Joseph as a young man would ask Oh, Jacob, Israel, why is there red in the coat? Well, he would say, well, that is to remind you of the sacrifice of the lamb. Never forget that the lamb was sacrificed for you. That is to remind you of God's pardon. And how that lamb on Mount Moriah there, whenever they would think of Abraham and Isaac, how it was a substitutory lamb. Remember Isaac going up that mountain, saying to his father, There we have the kindling, we have everything to build the altar, but where's the lamb? He understood the principle. If there was going to be a sacrifice, they needed a lamb. The lamb would have to be slain, its blood would have to be shed. And friends, Abraham answered him, God will provide Himself a lamb. Isn't that interesting? God will provide himself. Now you would normally say, God will provide us. But you see, this was God's lamb. And we remember this story there when they were there on Mount Moriah, a picture of Calvary itself. There the altar was built. Isaac laying upon it. And Abraham pulled out the knife from its sheaf and was about to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord says, do the lad no harm. Look behind you. And isn't it miraculous? Do you think that Abraham hadn't been looking all around him? But look behind him, and there, caught in the thicket, was a ram. And friends, why was it caught in the thicket by its horns? If it had been caught by the fleece. Any sheep farmers here would know. The fleece would have been torn. Friends, it would not have been unblemished, unspotted. It was a perfect spotless lamb, and it became the substitute for Isaac. And we can imagine there that old Jacob Israel would have explained that to his son, the color, the red, the crimson. And of course, it reminds us there of Isaiah 1 and 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Then I would like to think that there was white as well. The red reminding him of the blood of the Lamb and God's pardon for his life. The white reminding him of the purity. And friends, when we think of that white, isn't it interesting that when that blueprint was given to Moses to construct the tabernacle of God in the wilderness, remember they were in a dusty environment there, Yet one of the things that God made absolutely clear to Moses and those who would be building responsible for that work of God of the tabernacle, thereof what's known as the movable tent, would be that the outer court would be made of white fine linen. You read of that in Exodus 26 and 1. You think of all the colors in the midst of a dusty place like the desert, White, fine linen. Yet it was given for a purpose. It was to remind those outside of the purity of the righteousness of a holy God. And you can think of of Joseph. Ask him, well, what's the white about? Well, it's about purity, son. The red, that's about pardon through the blood of the Lamb. This is about purity. You never forget that God is holy. I am holy, be thy holy, the scripture tells us. And friends, you can imagine those gathered around that tabernacle of God, seeing that white outer court, knowing that they outside, friends, were like sinners. But yet within was the sacrifice, was the altar. And friends, within there was pardon, within there was purity. They could not enter into the presence of God just any old way. They had to be right with God. The only way they could be right was through pardon of their sins and friends then living a holy life with God and before him. And so we must endeavor to do that. Friends, maybe, and there could well have been other colors. I just suggest to you green. There, the pardon, the purity well, what about the green pasture? What's that significant of? And friends? It's nothing to do with politics at all. It's to do with provision. It would have reminded, I think, Jacob saying to his son Joseph, think about the green pastures. Oh, we're living uh, here in the land of Canaan. Think about the green pastures. Your brethren, they're away to get the sheep fed and they've had to take them a distance. They're seeking green pastures because it reminds us of provision and how God always has a provision for us. And you know, I think the lessons of this quote would have stayed with Joseph. Not just in his father's house, but when he was in Potiphar's house. Indeed, we read that he was in a prison house. And then eventually... In Pharaoh's house. He never forgot the lessons of the coat of many colors. The symbolic lesson there that God will meet his need. That God is in control because never once throughout these chapters from 37 to 50 that cover the life of Joseph do you find him debating with God or doubting God. He remembered the lessons of the coat of many colors. The scripture says, For I have redeemed thee and know thee by name, thou art mine. He knew of that promise and provision from God. Friends, the coat of many colours, but I suggest to you when we move on in this text into chapter nine or thirty nine then there is a coat of conviction a coat of conviction, and you will say, Pastor, it talks a lot about his house. Where does the coat come into it? Well, I think we know the story well enough there in Potiphar's house. And it says down in verse 12, talking about Mrs. Potiphar there, and she caught him by his garment. So it's quite clear here he received a new coat, received a new garment. Friends, we know the story. There, that coat become A polemical issue within the family; it caused enmity between him and his brethren. It just simply says that they they hated him because of it. Uh, And then the dreams they really just kept it all. As far as his brethren were concerned, there it was enmity, it was envy, and they decided there that one way or another, they would abhor him, they would abandon him, they would do whatever they could to get rid of him. What a tragic family situation. And it always is whenever there's enmity and there's envy within a family. Whether that is a personal family, just one like you and I, which we're a part of at home. Or whether that is within the church family, these things distort, disrupt, friends, they destroy. And that's what happened within the family of Joseph. But I do want you to notice something That even though his brethren had literally abandoned him, sold him into slavery thinking, we'll never have to deal with him again. We'll never have to see that coat again. We'll never have to hear about those dreams again. He's gone once for all forever. That's what they thought when they sold him to the Ishmaelites and then the Ishmaelites in their turn sold him in the open market in Egypt. And Potiphar purchased him. Friends, it is a most wonderful thing to think about purchasing. That you and I are purchased. And it's not with silver or gold. But it's with the precious blood of the Lamb. Who is Jesus Christ. First Peter 1 and 18, 19 tells us that. It's through his precious blood. We'll look at that around the table this morning. And friends, when we think of this, it's interesting to note that in that chapter 39, how if it was you, if it was me, and our family had turned against us, and now we were in a foreign culture, community, customs, a people and a place that we knew nothing of, And from being favoured, we were now a slave, a servant. And yet, isn't it interesting, it says, And the Lord, in chapter 39 and verse 2, was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Friends, can I say this? And I do so gently and sincerely and sensitively. Because sometimes when affliction comes into our life, the first thing that we as Christians do is, Lord, where are you? Lord, why? And we as a family, I remember some years ago, not that long ago, when our daughter had that, road accident and I want to thank some folks here who have already asked me about Rebecca and praise the Lord she's doing very well and I can remember being in that situation with backs against the wall and you were depending, in the human sense upon surgeons to save lives and air ambulance etc but you were dependent upon the Lord yourself not just for saving grace we had experienced that but for sustaining grace And there is a natural thing within us, then the question, what's happening, why? But we find here it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. You see, when Joseph experienced the Lord's presence, and that's what that's telling us, he understood something. He didn't know all the whys, the wheres, the the whens, but he knew that the Lord was in control and that he would trust him. Maybe there's someone here this morning and maybe God's word will speak to you. Friends, whatever the situation, the circumstances are in your life or this fellowship, God is in control. He is on the throne. Jesus Christ is seeing him yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging in his person. He's unchanging in his promises. And we'll see later on in his provision as well. And so Joseph, even though he had changed the coat from, this, from the son there to a servant, friends, God's presence was with him. And so when change occurs, if we have sought the Lord, his presence goes with us. And friends, that made the difference. He was a prosperous man, not in the terms of money. He still didn't own anything. It all belonged to his master, Potiphar. But he was literally, we might say, a spiritual millionaire. Why? His master, he was an Egyptian. Listen to what he recognized in verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in the land. What does that tell me about Joseph? When Potiphar was coming to him and saying... You are absolutely brilliant. I've never seen the like of you before, of other slaves in this house. We know that there were. But nuns like you, where did you learn this? How have you such ability? And Joseph just saying, it's not me, it's the Lord. It's not about ability, it's about availability. And I am available to serve the Lord. I'm serving you here, yes, but ultimately I'm serving the Lord. So wherever you are, that might take your employment to a school environment, to a a workshop environment, there in the community, whatever it might be. God has you there for a time and a purpose. And may it be that through it all you bring honor and glory to the Lord. I was in the company of, uh, there was a sports event on and cool rain on Friday night and I was invited along to it and I met a girl she plays for Northern Ireland and she's a Christian and afterwards we had a chat and we time a fellowship and uh, she was up for one of the awards and I remember sharing this with her and I had a fair idea she'd be there but I hadn't thought of even I would get the chance to talk to her and I said to her, you remember Eric Little? Do you remember that race that he ran for the Lord and the 1924 Paris Olympics, and I'm being slipped away note from 1 Samuel 2 and 30. Those who honor me, I will honor. And that's what I shared with that girl. Just left it at that. I says, You know what that means in your circumstances. I don't, in your environment. And so it's the same of us. And it was as well here with Joseph on this servant coat that he wore. And friends. Not only was he a prosperous man, but I tell you something else, he was a purposed man. We'll not go into all the details of what went on there in Potiphar's house, but we know he was a busy man, he was away. His wife was at her leisure, and she cast her eyes upon Joseph. And friends, advances were made to Joseph, and an ambush was set. And it's interesting how Joseph responds to what was happening. He says in response to her in verse 9 of chapter 39, There is none greater in this house than I, in that sense there of his role and his rule. Neither hath he kept, that's Potiphar, anything back from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Whether she claimed it was culture and do as the Egyptians do. Whether she claimed there, uh, who will know? God will know. And friends, it's the same in our life. There wasn't only a prosperous man there. It reminds us there of his integrity. He gave all the glory to the Lord. But a purposed man. This talks about his impeccability. Here was someone who would not sin against the Lord. Who would turn his back. And who would flee, who would lose his coat, rather than his character, and keep his testimony. And that's exactly what happened there. And friends, that garment literally was ripped from him. So it was in the verse 12 there, and she caught him by his garment. And we know the scene, you can read it for yourself. There what happens, and he fled as I have said, it is better to flee. And indeed, the Psalms and Psalm 119 reminds our youth in particular to flee from sin there. And the attraction of it. And the appointment with it. Oh, friends, may we endeavor there to have integrity. Give the honor to the Lord. And I'll tell you now, in whatever environment you're in, you'll know a prospering. I'm not talking about financial. It wasn't financial for Joseph, but you'll know a prospering. And then, friends, that impeccability there, we were determined to not sin against God. He purposed in his heart. Daniel done the same. Remember Daniel 1 and 8? And there all the foods were set before him, which was in Babylon, and he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And how important it is that we with integrity make a decision. I'm not going to allow myself to be defiled. Yes, I'm trusting in the Lord. But when temptation comes, there, I'm not going to try on my own to deal with it. If I have to flee from it, I stand steadfastly in my faith in the Lord and will honor him. Friends, we find that God prospered him. Friends, we find... There that this was as well a purposed man. God had given him a purpose in his heart. That was not to defile himself. May we do that. Those are lessons we learned from this second quote. And maybe we were not. We're all servants of the Lord. And friends, remember the Lord Jesus. Who is the evidence incarnate of God's servant. God's son. Whenever those temptations come. He simply refuted them he simply rejected them there in the wilderness and Matthew for it is written it is written it is written let's remember what is written and let's remember there in all that we do think and say to honor the lord to keep our integrity even if it costs us Our liberty. God will honor those who honor him. The final of these coats, as we close our message, there was the coat of many colors, there was the coat of conviction. And finally, there's a coat that I call the coat of compassion. The coat of compassion. We will find that he wears that from chapter 41 on. This story is he's put into prison. In prison there he meets with two men. Remember, the butler, of the pharaoh, and the baker. And uh, they're in, and friends, their heads are on the line, as it were. They have a dream, and it's interesting how this feature of dreams there comes through in the life of Joseph. And I know we had the word of God, and I don't maybe experience God's uh, dealings, etc. through visions. But I am aware, speaking to those who work amongst the Muslims, and we have Stanley Kyle coming this week to our church, there he represents Arab World Ministries, that God often reveals himself through visions, through dreams, to those who don't have the written word of God in their hand. And it's interesting, he was saying to me there, that in this last 25 years, and there's this whole thing about Israel and the Palestinians and the Palestinians being Muslim, etc. And quite often there, because of lack of contact with such people, although possibly even around St. certainly Belfast, you see many of them now. But friends, Stanley was able to tell me in this last 25 years, more Muslims throughout the world have come to saving faith in Jesus than in the previous 1,500 years. God is doing a work, even though what we see by way of media tends to be an us-and-them situation. Friends, God is doing a work amongst that people and that community, often at a great cost to those who trust in Jesus and are converted by the Lord. Friends, in our text, we remember of these dreams again. And in chapter 40 there, you can read of that, but that's not my text, so it's not. It is chapter... 41, because in chapter 41 we read there of what the Pharaoh then presents to Joseph. Chapter 41, it says in verse 41 And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring off his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain. Up his neck. There is a new coat. This time it's the sovereign's coat. No longer the son. No longer the servant. Now a sovereign. God used those dreams, and He placed His man in the right place at the right time. But you know there was an issue, and that was a period of time, because between chapter 40 and 41, we're told two years passes. And remember how they had the dreams, the butler and the pharaoh there, and it was all about three days. So it was. And one would eventually be restored to his position. And then the baker come, and he had heard the interpretation of the butler's dream. He thought, well, I'll tell him mine as well. And he was told that his head would be lifted off his body. And so it was after the three days. There, It occurred just like that. And the butler was returned to his service within Pharaoh's house and within Pharaoh's palace. But then Joseph was forgotten about. Do you ever feel forgotten about. Overlooked. And you have been serving the Lord. I'll talk about God's service rather than home situation. And there are others and maybe they're up at the front and you might feel, well, they're getting the accolades. Although I can tell you now, anyone who stands where I am, your knees are knocking. (laughs) You're, you're, You're under pressure and you could not do Even announcements, leading, singing, whatever it is, in your own strength. You need the Lord and his spirit and his endowment and empowerment to serve him in any capacity. But friends, maybe you feel as if others have been shown their, not favoritism, but have been acknowledged, and you haven't. And how do you find yourself? You feel forgotten. Yet again, we notice that in this interlude of a period of two years, there's no, there's no. Joseph isn't saying to God, "Why? What's happening?" He's just trusting again in the Lord. God has His timing. His plans are perfect. They will reveal themselves in God's good time. And so it was that there wasn't only the butler who had a dream, but Pharaoh. Eventually, when you come in the latter parts of chapter 40 and into chapter 41. And no one was found to interpret them. So a search was sent. And then the butler remembered Joseph. And told Pharaoh about him. And Pharaoh at that point then brought him out. And he was shaved. And sat there and cleaned up. To be presented now there in the Pharaoh's house. And to be presented ultimately with this new garment. the sovereign's garment. On friends, it's interesting what Pharaoh says of this man in verse thirty-eight. Whenever it was revealed to him, at uh, this time it was sevens, not threes. And remember, there was the cattle, the fat and the thin. There was the years of corn, those that were luscious and those that were withered. And he said, "There are seven years, seven years of plenty." God spoken twice to you; he's reinforcing this message. And then there's going to be seven years of famine like you've never seen. And Pharaoh says unto his servants in verse 38, Can we find such a one as this? Listen. A man in whom the Spirit of God is. Now that's a remarkable statement from someone who was considered a deity himself. He recognized something about Joseph that was not of himself, as Potiphar had done as well, this is a God-man. This man has the Spirit of the Lord indwelling him, empowering him, has enlisted him. There's no one like him. And there he raised him up to be number two in the land, his viceroy, we might say. And there he received the sovereign's coat. Friends, it's one thing receiving that coat, That's another thing being able then to use it for the honour and the glory of the Lord. I've called it the coat of compassion, because he was prudent in all that he done. Firstly, with regards the state, the state of Egypt. Remember he had arrived there as a slave. Remember he had been thrown into prison. He could have tried to be vindictive in some way, but not a word of it. He was there to serve the Lord. He understood God had placed him in that position. And we'll finish off of that verse from chapter 50 and verse 20 at the end. And in his administration there over the land, he done diligently. And they set aside great storehouses and kept during those seven years of plenty. So that when the seven years of desperation and famine and drought arrived, there wasn't death in Egypt. There was elsewhere, but not in Egypt. Friends, it was a code of compassion. He realized that whilst others may not have been not way inclined with him, he had the love of God in his life. And he would be compassion and have compassion to others. May you and I, in our society, a society that's changing now, a society that no longer has Christian moral values, has biblical values, whether that, friends, is in the the community, whether it's in schools, however it reflects itself, may we continue to have compassion because when Jesus looked down upon the multitudes, they were like sheep without a shepherd and he was moved with compassion. If we're not moved with compassion, we'll never reach the lost. He was doing this ultimately to save lives. Friends, not only prudent with the affairs of state, but pardoning in the affairs of the soul. Chapter 42, his brethren reappear in the scene. They're still back in the land of Canaan. But now old Jacob has heard there's bread in Egypt. Not knowing anything, thinking his son is dead. Sends his brethren who thought they'd never say, now oh, hear from again, go and get bread. Of course, there's that great encounter and Joseph recognizes his brethren and doesn't disclose it to them. And he asks about the family, knowing that his youngest brother, Benjamin, isn't with them. Circumstances prevail where they have to return and the second time they have to take Benjamin with them. Now the family's almost complete, Bar's father. And the revelation is made, so it is, I'm Joseph, your brother. Now think of their fear. The tables had turned upon them. Friends, they weren't beside a pit any longer that they'd thrown him into. They were in a palace that he was ruling over. And maybe they thought, well, as long as their old father is alive, Joseph will show a degree of kindness to us. Will you see? The hour that Jacob dies, that Israel passes away, he'll show his true colours. But friends, it was a coat of compassion. Because when that hour and that sad moment come, he called them together. And he said in Genesis 50 and verse 20 We're in this coat of compassion. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to save many people alive. Friends, Joseph recognized from the outset God had a plan and purpose. He had different coats that he would be wearing during his life. So will you and I. But may we wear them for the honor and for the glory of our Lord. And whenever I think of our Lord Jesus Christ, Whenever I think of him as the son, why, he pleased the father. Whenever I think of him as a servant, why, there in Gethsemane, he prayed, not my will but thine, and he went to the cross. He gave his life a ransom for all. When I think of the Lord Jesus, pictured in Joseph as a sovereign, oh, friends, I tell you, his rule will be with justice. Friends, it will be with compassion in that sense, And that justice is still, and that love is still offered to the whosoever will. But there'll come a day, and tonight you'll hear more about it, when, friends, God will mete out his justice as well. Upon those who have rejected his offer of salvation. Upon those who have no time, no thought for the things of God. Friends, I leave you with this thought. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. And I don't know your circumstances, but I want to leave you with that word, but God meant or means it unto good. When you trace that thread from the beginning to the end of Joseph's life, you could quite easily say, how, why, where, when? but he never done. He trusted that God was in control, that his plan, his purpose was perfect. And so it is for you and I today. May we learn to love him more, trust in him as Joseph done, and wear whatever coat God gives us to the glory of his name. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this study, a bit different this morning, Lord, but tracing coats in the life of Joseph and how there was a colored one. And Lord, we thank you, all of us who were saved for the Son of God, who's Jesus Christ, how he was a beloved son, but how we're beloved in the Lord as well. Lord, we thank you, Of that sonship, then we think of that servanthood. And Lord, we're all servants. We're called to be. We're called to be workers for Thee and witnesses for Thee. Enable us, Lord, to serve Thee, Lord, with dignity. That all the glory and honour go to Thee. And Lord, that sovereign coat, when in authority, Lord, He made it out justice in a God-glorifying way that would be for the salvation of lives. Yes, physically in a sense, but more importantly, to keep alive a bloodline that we know today as Israel. Because they were God's chosen people through which the Messiah would come. So, Lord, we thank you for these examples. Help us, Lord, to be examples unto others of the glory of God in our day, in our midst, and in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to sing together uh, a hymn. It's number 507 from the hymn book. It'll be up on the screen there. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. We'll stand after the introduction. Thank you.